Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the second season of the Magnificent Whiskers podcast. I just wanted to take a second to thank you for stopping by and listening to us once again. Really appreciate your time. And I did also want to acknowledge uh, for just a moment, I recognize that it's been some time since we've made a post. A little bit of life got in the way for Colby and I, and, and we've found it a bit difficult to get together and uh, continue to make content for this project. So we are working very hard and diligently to try to find some time to put together some content for those of you who do listen to the show. Uh, and I think you're gonna notice that right off the bat, something a little different in this season in comparison to last, we've got a guest and it's our goal to try and have a guest for each episode this season, which of course has presented a whole, a whole new level of challenges. Uh, so I, I really appreciate you. And I thank you again for listening, and I hope you uh, can hang in there with us for a little while while we get our shit figured out and, and get ourselves together. So without any further ado, please enjoy this first episode of the second season of Magnificent Whiskers, and thanks again. Welcome to the first episode of the second season of the Magnificent Whiskers podcast. My name is Jeremy, uh, and I have... Colby here with me, but in a little bit of a less traditional sense. Hello. Say hi, Colby. <laughs> uh, so we're trying to do things on a more remote scale um, just because of some te technological issues that we had when we met up earlier tonight. And this also afforded us the ability to uh, have our first guest to the show. So please welcome Jake. Jake, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty swell. Pretty swell. I'm really good, man. I'm really excited that uh, you had some time for us and that you were able to uh, to jump on the episode with us tonight. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Pleasure to be here. So um, one of the things that I started uh, where it came to this show um, is that we ask a couple of questions of ourselves um, just to kind of give our listeners an idea of who they were uh, who they were listening to. Um, so I'm going to kind of rapid fire a couple of questions. And if you want to just answer them on a base level, that's fine. Um, and if we want to dig into them a little bit more, uh, that's kind of the idea here. So totally up to you. Okay. Okay. All right. So first question is vampire or werewolf. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a difficult question to, you know, answer right off the top. I mean, what type of vampire and what type of werewolf? Are yeah, we talking? absolutely. Um, so I would say just first gut reaction, just based off of all of the lore that you've consumed, which direction do you think you lean? Probably vampire. I love it. See, almost everybody's able to make a choice. So <laughs> um, here's a nice and polarizing one. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. I knew that one. Small side there. I was at the, uh, the trivia night with Jake, we were actually on a team together. I know it's dark Star Wars. <laughs> See, I was not uh, I was not privy to that. Um, so would it be football or football? Uh, go Eagles. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's see here. Musical or straight play? Musical. 90s rap or current rap? No rap. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, uh, Hogwarts house. Um, Slytherin, I think. From what's the name of that quiz? Pottermore. 
Yeah, that thing. That quiz? You mean the uh, the venture put out by J.K. Rowling and Sony Computer Entertainment of America? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the quiz and fully interactive additional <laughs> book info, whatever. Uh, I love it. Marvel or DC? I'm pretty sure I already know the answer to that. Um, Marvel for movies, C for pretty much everything else. Wow, okay. Uh, I guess I didn't. Would you prefer a staycation or a vacation? Staycation. Well, don't you also presently live in a vacation destination? Or or did you guys move again? Oh, we're moving next week back to Philly. Yeah, so I knew Um, that was coming, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if it had happened yet. Yeah, it's pretty imminent, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we, we, we moved here at the end of the summer, and we're moving before the beginning of the summer, so. That's, a, that's amazing. I love life. Uh, and I just actually, so we just lost Colby. Hopefully, he'll be able to jump back in later. I just added another one. So, what is your favorite dinosaur? Uh, man, probably the brontosaurus. Any particular Big, reason? Just a huge, gentle giant, you know? There's no, uh, what's the word I'm looking for there? There's no uh, emulating there for you. That's just not what I was thinking. What's the, what's the word, Jake? I don't know, man. The word for what? Uh, so I added a new question to the list while you were away. And I asked him what his favorite dinosaur was. And he had said it was the Brontosaurus, big gentle giant. And um, whatever the word means for seeing yourself in something, I can't. Eminence. Uh, I don't think it's either of those, but I'll take I'll take both of them. So anyway, yeah. So that's the list, man. What did you think? Oh, it's a good list. Yeah, those are some nice. Um, you know, it could be surface level or could be you know probing questions depending on how far you want to go to them. I, yeah, I of course went way too deep into all of mine because of what I do. Well, that and we really wanted to take a second and crack you open a little bit more. I kind of I kind of left the ball in Jake's court for this one. Yeah. So uh, uh, there is a question I wanted to ask uh, that uh, some other friends of ours have brought up. Is it's a good question to ask, uh, and that question is: Do you believe in aliens, and why? Um. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think life in the universe is you know just us. I feel like that's a really you know kind of narrow view of you know all that's out there. You know, we're a uh, cosmological, you know, I don't know if that's the right word. It's kind of late. No, I'm tired, that, but that works pretty well. Cosmic accident. And I'm sure it's not just a singular anomaly throughout the entire universe. You know what I mean? That's fair. Math- that's fair. Mathematically, it would make sense that something else other than us would exist out there. Oh, I man. feel like Dang it. posing it from the perspective of I, I would want to steer away from do you believe in because that almost makes aliens sound like some form of mythical being or, or something along those lines but at you know. the same time though it's it's the sort of thing that gauges like someone's level of belief like how like what it takes for someone to be able to believe in something sure i can get behind that uh i'm i'm pretty much on jake's front there like the i i, be, I believe that some form of life probably exists somewhere in the universe out of sheer probability right i I also am of the mindset that something exists other than just us. If for another reason, then I enjoy the mental gymnastics that comes along with the idea that I think 
not only does something exist, I think it's plausible that we've already made contact, but our human forms are too limited in our sensory perception to have actually been able to conceptualize their existence right in front of us. And yeah, I could think that. That's also really fair. Like, there's no saying whatsoever that the methods on our planet that creatures evolved to perceive and interact with things is the same that, like, a nit a a uh, a nitrogen or a phosphorus heavy planet in you know four hundred million light from here, right? And that would completely change the form of technology that would be required to allow them to continue to exist, leaving their planet to reach our planet, all of the above. And there was a school of thought that came out recently, and I'm going to do the thing that I hate doing and just say that I I remember reading somewhere. Uh, but I'm not going to cite where, because I can't remember that part. And that's the thing that I hate, for the record. <laughs> that, um, what was it? Oh, now I'm having a huge mental dump. <laughs> well, sort of just tying into what you guys are talking about. It, like, it's, not, it, it's also a question of you know, time, because the universe is trillions of years old. So, the, the, just the the mere probability of us living, you know, being alive now with the technological capabilities our, society, our civilizations have now, we, you know, we've been, a, we've been able to communicate, like project radio signals out into the, you know, into the solar system galaxy for what, 50 years, maybe a little bit longer than that. Yeah. It's like a blip. Call it a hundred years. Yeah, yeah. It's a blip. It's not even a blip. It's yeah. so, you know, that's exactly so, that actually reminds me. That was that's what yeah, I was. That's what I was Hundreds of thousands of civilizations could have existed, you know, as was because their civilizations already risen and fallen, and they're extinct by now. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Or There's, we there... have existed first, and everybody else is just now, you know, coming to coming to be. Yeah, we, so we, we could be the first. Uh, there's there's also a lot of theories that talk about like the idea of evolutionary barriers. Like there are certain points that are enormous stop gaps that prevent a species from sort of advancing to a next level. And he's gone. So (laughs) this is going to be a fun game. If you'd like to feel free to turn this into a drinking game. How many times will cold neck and reconnect? So while we're waiting for him to come back, Jake, do you remember when you and I first met? Uh, I don't remember the exact moment. But it, me either. Uh, I know that we've known each other for a number of years, and I want to say we initially were introduced through the theater, were we not? Yeah, I think we met during 1776. See, I feel like it might have been before that, but I could be mistaken. Yeah. Hey, he's back. So, yeah, my for some reason, take a shot. Kicking me off. Yeah, it does. It keeps kicking you off. It's so peculiar. I will try keeping a better eye on that so that it doesn't happen. Uh, but where did it where did it cut off for you guys there? I couldn't tell you. All You're right, whatever. Deep uh, plot point. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Basically, more of my stuff. But so oh. now now that we've bunny trailed as we do all of the time. But Jake and I were actually just in the process of having the conversation about when we first met, which I think Colby was also when you guys first met, which was during 1776. Um, well, Colby and I met friend. I was gonna say I had met Jake before that for with Rent. Oh right, Rent. Yep. That's right. Okay. And Rent, Rent was a show 
that I could go on and on about because so much stuff happened there, and I met so many people there, Jake being one of them, and just it that was an awesome show. And seventeen seventy six was also an incredible show. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And what was really interesting for me was especially with that theater, with the Courtyard Theater, after the performance that I I had with Sweeney Todd to come into 1776 um, was uh, to take kind of a middle of the road part after having one that was so prominent was a nice ego check for me. And then also he the director of that particular theater managed to inflate my ego quite a bit in the following years. Now, whether that was driven in part or entirely behind the fact that everybody else just got fed up with his shit. And I was one of the few people who would actually continue to perform. I, I it will never know, but, but I absolutely loved the time that we spent in 1776. I really wish I could have spent more time on that stage. Yeah, um, 1776 is a really interesting show, especially from like a community theater perspective, because oh, yeah. it's such an enormous cast of men, and that's really rare in theater. Yeah. And it's especially a lot of older men. I feel like it's really rare in theater in rural areas like central Pennsylvania, which is where it took place. Well, just in theater in general, like in most... Um, like most casting, like parts are written for more women for the most part. I'm gonna challenge that. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to look numbers up for that before we make a claim. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, there's definitely less men who will audition for and you know go out for theater than you know as opposed to to women. Yeah, I think uh, that may have been true once upon a time, but I really, truly, honestly feel like theater in today's world as a a starting off point to be able to break into Hollywood in the way that it is. I think that it's way more accepted than it used to be. It's yeah. definitely. I, mean, I still think there's like that stigma, you know, that you know, you're exposed to in, you know, in school, like in middle school, you know, as, as boys, you're expected to be in sports and you know, do manly things and, you know, sort of look down upon to do music, theater and stuff like that, which is, you know, why you see that discrepancy and and uh, yeah yeah men auditioning parts and in, in theater and stuff like that sure i i can buy that from a community theater standpoint absolutely and uh so i i remember that that theater did sweeney todd and wasn't 1776 right after sweeney todd no rent was after rent rent was, yeah, rent was exactly right so I was going to do, I was supposed to do Rent also, and I stayed after some performances. So, Jake, I'm not sure if you realize this, but there was also kind of a, a running inside joke where it came to me and being a part of any of these productions. And it was that every time I would join one and I would manage to land a lead, I would also have a kid. <laughs> yeah. So, so during, during Sweeney Todd, I played Pirelli. And Pirelli, uh, spoiler alert, Pirelli dies uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty early into the show. And mm -hmm. my, um, my daughter was born at that time, and she had to spend some time in the neonatal intensive care unit. Now, everything was fine. It was mostly an observation piece, but it was the first time that I had gone through something like that. So uh, Bob was nice enough to let me die and then leave 
And while it sucked for me because I didn't get to take a bow at the end of the show, it wasn't a big deal that I was just after Pirelli was dead. I was just a member of the ensemble cast anyway. So, so that happened. And then after she got out of the NICU and we still had a couple more performances after rehearsals and stuff like that, I would hang out afterwards with him because I like to, I wanted to learn more and I wanted to pick his brain. And we had a couple of conversations about rent and I told him flat out, I said, you know, I would murder somebody to get to play Roger. It, it was just a, it was just a role I, I very much so, and, I, and to this day, I still very much want to play. And yeah, was Roger for sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. He actually said that he had gone to see the original cast during like their first weekend that they performed. Oh, and he, he mentioned that I reminded him a lot of Adam Pascal the first guy who performed Roger and continued to perform that part in the movie and and on the stage, which was super flattering to me. And then, so it seemed like the stars were aligning that I was going to get to play this dream role and everything was going to work out really, really well. And then I got a job offer that was going to make it so that I could have made the rehearsals done the show, but then I had a new baby and I would never see the new baby because of the new job. So, I chose family and, you know, my my work over over the community theater, which I'm sure most people would have probably done the same thing. Yeah. But, you know, given my position. So that was the decision I ended up making and the casting was done. And I mean. I, I feel like the odds of the person who I'm going to be talking about here. Uh, listening to this especially this specific episode are probably pretty low so i'm gonna speak a little more free freely than what i probably should uh but it was it was almost a done deal like rehearse like uh auditioning for me was essentially a formality he he pretty much already wanted me in the role and then i wasn't able to do it so then casting decisions were made everything was good to go and a week later i lost that job and yeah. <clears throat> I had considered coming back in and saying, look, I'm no longer employed in this place. I have the free time now. Let me audition and let's uh, let me take over this role. But because of who was awarded the role, I didn't want to do that to that person. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not necessarily saying that I feel like that's exactly what would have happened. However, I will say that I a couple of years later brought this conversation up with the director and I said flat out to him, I said, you know, I didn't want to come and do that because I didn't want to take the role from him. And I said, you don't have to agree. You don't have to respond to what I'm about to say, but it's my opinion that had I come in and asked you for the part and auditioned for it and done well, I said, I feel like you would have ended up awarding me the part. And he kind of made this face like, I'm not going to respond to that because you already know the answer, (laughs) which kind of makes me kick myself in the ass even more. But yeah, I said, I, I told that entire story to basically say, I would still love to be able to play that part, uh, but I'm super bummed that I, I wasn't able to, but I still feel like I more or less made the right choice. I'm really glad that you guys were able to meet and kind of bond over that show. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good show. And there was a lot of, a lot of really intense closeness that a lot of people in that show gained. Uh, quite a few relationships and marriages happened out of that show. That's uh, that's definitely true. <laughs> and, and marriages? Yeah, Stephen Brandy. 
Oh well, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Stephen Brandy. Um, I mean, I was with Amy for a while. Yeah, Nick and Claire are engaged. Oh right, um, right, right. Well, yeah, and like yeah, I know Val Claire and had. A... <laughs> yep. All right, we lost Colby again. So everybody drink. Uh <laughs> he's gonna be so mad when he hears that part. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> it's a surprise. <laughs> It, it's literally every time I start talking. God damn it. It was, oh my gosh. it was like 15 minutes straight. We were good. And then I start to speak. And then it stops. I, I swear to you, Colby, I'm not kicking you out when you start talking. That's not happening. <laughs> I, and that's totally something that I would do. So that's why I'm being very clear that that, that, that is not happening. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So did you guys have any fun uh, experiences with one another? During rent that you would want to share? Oh man, it was so long ago. I can't believe it was like five years ago. I know, right? Yeah, so. that was a while ago. Was more than that. Actually, I think you're right. I think yeah, it, I, I think was, it was. Uh, I was 21, so it was at least six years ago now. Wow. No, because yeah. I moved up in 2014. But yeah, the show went up in what March or April? Uh, so I think it's been the exact five years. Hmm. May, whatever it was, it was it. It's been at least half a decade, and that's crazy. That's so crazy. That is crazy. So then, after rent, we did seventy seventeen seventy six together, and then I went on a little bit of a hiatus from the theater. Did you guys go on and do anything else in between, like right after seventeen seventy six? Uh, I haven't done anything since seventeen seventy six theater wise. Wow. Um, I yeah. was I was in, uh, Run for Your Wife. Which, which was, so was I. Yeah, which was a fantastic show. Oh my god, um, it was so much fun. It was so good. Uh, I did a couple of shows outside of that theater with Gas Pipe. Right. Uh, which was great. And you know, a couple things like that. So. And then shortly, so it was also during 1776 that I met Steve. And mm-hmm. so I can't remember how it ended up that any of us started talking outside of there but at one point I ended up working with Steve for some time and, and I'd love to get him on here at some point I don't know if I'll be able to twist his arm into it but uh, this inevitably led to um, some tabletop gaming so then we met up with you Jake at your place and we played D&D for a couple of weeks there in a row it was pretty freaking swell Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first time we all played D and D together was at Colby's house. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. What time? Was I there? The only thing I really remember—I think you were there. Yeah, you were. The only thing I remember from that night was Brandy played with us and rolled once yeah. and crit. Or no, she rolled twice, got a fumble and a crit, and then left. Yeah, because yep. she wasn't super into it, which happens. But I, yeah, yeah, we experienced a little bit of that with your significant other tonight, Colby, when we were talking about trying to get a game going. She was just. She was not not having it, uh, nope. which I whatever you know she'll either she'll either uh, come around or she won't. But yes, I actually do remember that. Uh, that was that was quite hilarious. I just did not remember that that happened at Colby's house. Uh, well, my my grams. I was living with my grandparents at that. Right, and so then we that, shortly after that, you Jake had moved in with your girlfriend at that time. And mm-hmm. she was living with her friend, and we had all gathered together for the DC adventure. 
Yeah. Yeah, that was super fun. Loved my character. Dude, I feel like all of us were really super into our characters, and I really enjoyed playing with Steve as the game master. I will say that I feel like his motivation behind because i very distinctly remember we all ended up with essentially like green lantern powers well well lantern core powers they weren't all green well yeah i remember um my girlfriend at the time she became a blue lantern she was like a telepath yep like tell like pow you know and then we did some epic stuff and then yeah she became a, a blue lantern or you know got the ring oh you know what she got the ring and then you and i ended up with uh powers of shazam yeah, something like that. But it wasn't all of them. I, I also got... remember grabbing a helicopter out of the air and screwing it because I was huge and strong. Yeah, you're a giant fishman. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I see an anthropomorphic anglerfish of any kind, I immediately remember that character and want to just send you the picture. In Heroes of the Storm, there's a Diablo skin that looks exactly what my character would have looked like. Nice. That's amazing. The, we've we've tried a couple times to start up another and or I was going to be a part of that DC game. I had some really fun characters, a couple of them that I had made up that I was really excited to play in that. Uh, one of them uh, I ended up not going with because I, I think because uh, Steve was going to be doing something with a Green Lantern or a Lantern Power and it was a little close. And the other one, <laughs> I remember I was making him and I literally, I didn't take a single power. I just went through all of the abilities, like this, the skills and whatnot, and yeah. I ended up spending like 50 points of our like 65 points on just abilities. I literally had two rows of a full sheet of lined paper in abilities. That's intense. It, it was, he, he had just mastered everything. He was the most Captain America. had you thought of any other characters to play outside of that one that you actually had the chance to play um in the dc universe not really i've I've played a couple of times um uh i've played pathfinder and 5e since then and just like you know more like kind of like run of the mill like dwarf warrior um oh the one character i had i think was actually pretty interesting i was so this was in pathfinder and uh, so, sort of switching gears here. Um, I had a, a half human, half vampire paladin. Whoa! The race was called D- uh, Dampier, like D H D H A M. Oh yeah, like from the Vampire Hunter D kind of deal. Yeah. So they like um, get hurt by using you know like holy magic or whatever. So I thought that was a pretty cool like RP. Um, so like my character's background was like he was just this infant dampier who was just like left on like the the, the you know the hearth of a, a paladin cleric temple and was taken in as a baby and like raised in the holy paladin ways and stuff like that. So he was very devout, but since he was half vampire, everybody hated him. He was an outcast, you know that whole. Thing. Oh so yeah, I ran with that and that was pretty fun because like every time I healed somebody or did lay on hands, it would hurt me. So like. My character's hands were all like blacked and blackened and burned and charred and stuff like that. No, that's I think that's so freaking cool. That's a really interesting way to uh, like the character flavor behind that and the way that you illustrated it. That's super awesome. 
it was fun. And then he ended up sacrificing himself in the end to like save everybody and, and died in a Oh man, a, you actually got to the end cool. of an adventure? What's that like? Yeah, I know, right? Um man, it's, it's a, I need to like write a journal of like D D stuff because I forget so much. So I just use um, my Google Drive, which I'm actually in the process of scrolling through because that particular adventure began just spinning out so many different ideas for me. And so mm. I have multiple iterations of um, my character in that adventure was the, the Bodoc, and he was basically adopted by Bruce Wayne. And right, yeah. yeah, so I had a couple of different character ideas that I was thinking about going in with, but I eventually ended up deciding to go with that one. And the one that really just has stuck with me and has continued to evolve is uh right now I, he's tentatively called the drifter but he's he keeps coming out to me as a very um latino guy and i don't know if that's just because i'm fascinated by the culture and and i know that i'm flirting with cultural appropriation since i'm all but a six foot tall white man <laughs> who also <laughs> happens to be straight uh so and my character in the division is black so yeah i don't know what that I don't, you're you're tanner than the average bear though so you might be able to get away with that without anybody looking <laughs> looking sideways I've been mistaken for hawaiian <laughs> when i had long hair you're uh, some you're not, samoan not gonna lie i i i had considered it i believe it if you told <laughs> yeah. that story uh but anyway so he's his abilities are that he's actually a very normal person and but he can almost Nightcrawler-esque teleport through an alternate dimension. And his DNA, his cells, are uniquely kind of evolved to be able to absorb the energy from radiation. And when they do, it makes him super strong, gives him the ability to fly, stuff like that. And uh, depending on how much radiation he absorbs, this amplifies those abilities. Eventually, in order to help create that kind of next level evolution as the characters leveled up, I created a situation where somebody was going to set off a nuclear bomb. So if it stayed as like a DC character, eventually it was going to be like the Joker or somebody. I'm also playing with the idea of just like writing this story outside of the DC universe. So whatever it ends up being, he absorbs an extremely massive amount of radiation and it creates a permanent change. So he is permanently augmented, super strong, super fast, can fly, that sort of thing. And it actually ends up, uh, the energy that he absorbs ends up wrapping him in a cocoon. His body just, that's how it responds. So there's just this big floating diamond that's just oozing this gray ichor for a couple of days. And then he breaks out of this cocoon and he's just, well, very similar to what we saw in Captain America movies. He comes out, he's all ripped and shit, and mm-hmm. now he can fly and, and whatnot and doesn't have to continue to absorb that energy, but also can yeah. if, he, if he needs an additional boost or anything along those lines. So that's, that, that is what, and I've just been building on that ever since then. Yeah, my, my first character that I had potentially wanted to play for that game I still really want to play at some point um, because I, I, I built into him a really, a really big, like 
a really big character flaw and personality issue that I felt was re- just really interesting because so my my concept for him was he was a student at one of like the charter schools in probably Gotham. We're gonna go with Gotham seems to run into a lot of these issues, uh, but it was Gotham's got a lot of issues. <laughs> but what it was gonna be was the school was actually sort of a a training slash uh, recruitment system for uh, a cult that was trying to revive like a demon and they were essentially grooming the best and most powerful students as potential vessels slash sacrifices for this demon and uh during the ritual in which they were going to summon this demon uh he and all of the other students who were like at the highest on this list all of them but him die and the ritual seemingly fails, uh, and it would have been like a uh, a GM decision whether it actually failed or succeeded somehow. But uh, his powers were going to be the ability to summon uh, light constructs of different colors that would be have different like defensive and offensive capabilities. But um, he was the thing was he thought that they were the spirits of his friends who had died, and. Uh, they weren't. They were just like him summoning the power, but mentally it was, these constructs are different colored different colored light, they have different abilities, and he thinks that they are the spirits or the souls of his friends who died during this like process. Uh, in reality, they're not. They're just like things he can create. But because he thinks they're his friends, uh, they are constructs, and they can be destroyed. And so, as they like start to take damage, he will stop using them to protect his friend because he thinks he's hurting his friends using his power, and he's not. But like that mental barrier uh, is was like a huge thing he was going to have to overcome to use his powers more effectively, and he was going to make very tactically unsound decisions out of the survivor's guilt of thinking he's hurting his friends anytime he uses them. That's really cool. I know you. I've heard you tell me about that before, but I still think that's just it's really neat. Did the, the constructs take the form of humans, or they, uh, like I think con- not, I think like a big like robot type of thing. Not to start, like initially they would just be like like an energy barrier or an energy spike or uh, like shapes essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like as they got more, he got more powerful. They would start taking like humanoid shapes and whatnot and becoming more like constructs like that like like you were saying like a robot or a person but uh but yeah i and i would love to get to play that character sometime i think i think the dc system is really really cool because uh it is something i've talked i've heard about and talked with people about in different instances there's there's a big difference in systems like rpg systems that will write explicitly what an ability is, what it does, where that power comes from, and like give you a lot of that fluff inherent in the ability. And then there's other systems like the DC system that just says, okay, this is what you can do with this level of power, and it can be whatever you want. It comes from the source you want, it does whatever you want in that realm, it just happens to have whatever descriptor you give it. 
And I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, it actually transformed my gameplay and my dungeon mastering from the moment that we started playing because up until that point, a lot of what I'd been engaged in involved uh, way more rules lawyering than than I realized I was even comfortable with. And it was just so cinematic. I just, yeah. I immediately fell yeah. in love. Like they had the, the what, like the hero points, you know, at the end of the day, you're playing with, you know, superheroes or, you know, aspire superheroes and you want to do heroic things and then you yeah. can, you know, like once every adventure, you know, use your hero basically describe, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to grab this helicopter out of midair to keep it from crashing and, you know, into the below. Can I do that? And then like, yeah. What, what and see yeah. And so at this point, I know that um, I've gotten, if possible, even more adventurous with a lot of the uh, shenaniganery that I attempt to commit at any given moment. So that is kind of how we try to deal with that is if it seems like it's something that the character would just be able to do then most of the time especially if there's a high factor of rule of cool um it'll it'll just be let happen now if there's a certain level of uh ridiculousness to it there will have to be some roles made usually what you want to do happens especially if you can explain it for good reason yeah didn't i also one shot killer croc with hitting him with a truck yeah, I think you did. <laughs> nice. Uh, I honestly think you did. I, I've also uh, I've started throughout the years like of my RPG playing, adapted that style a lot uh, to even like systems that are a little bit more number crunchy because I, I think it adds a good balance. I, I think it makes things flow a lot better. Yeah, I totally and agree. Th- and it's not for everybody. There are some people who want rules-heavy, number-crunched, by-the-book gameplay. And those are the kind of people who, you know, played, you know, you know RPGs as we know them really started as um, uh, slightly scaled-down war game. And for people who are, are used to that and like that sort of thing, you know, that's what they're looking for. Yeah. And, and that's a thing. I agree. And it's just not a thing that I have any desire to have anywhere near me. But that's just me personally. Uh, yeah. So, And I know, Jake, I, I've continuously attempted to rope you into our games. I just pulled up my Roll20 just because I was a little curious. I have, I am three games shy of 30 total D&D games that, I've, that we've either been a part of, I've either started, or I've just played in across since 2017 uh, on roll 20 alone and that and that's just separate games that's not including times we've opened up uh the same game and just used it to roll dice or reuse those characters in a different one shot yep because we've done that a lot (laughs) yeah rule 20 is really cool i mean you know the the one time i I played with you guys for a couple sessions with, with robert you know it was fun with Robert, life gets in the way of a lot of uh, you know wanting to do gaming in general. You're not telling. You're not speaking any foreign language to me, my dude. I I definitely understand that. <laughs> no, like as late as it is, peek behind the curtain. It's like one in the morning right now, and this is about. This is honestly about the time where we're usually still gaming. 
Yeah, we might uh, be getting close to wrapping day. up, but yeah, you're yeah. exactly right. And tomorrow night, I think we're our group's planning on getting together, and, and this will be about how late we'll be up going. And I've, of course, gotten early morning tomorrow because that's, of course, my life, but it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. So, Jake, do you remember when you first started playing role-playing games, whether it was Dungeons and Dragons or or whatever the first one was that you got into? Do you remember when that started for you? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I started playing in seventh grade with uh, with some friends from you know back home, back in Allentown. Uh, we started playing three point five, and I remember my first character was the barbarian, and um, yeah, I just got into it right away. My my I remember we had character creator type of thing. It might have like came with the book, or it was like a free software on like wizards.com or something. Yeah. You could roll your character. We roll for Keith and my buddy Cameron, who um, was the dungeon master for most of my life <laughs> uh, before Steve took over. Um, you know, he had been doing that for, you know, he, he'd been playing since like forever because his dad was into it. And uh, he DM'd us from seventh grade up until college, pretty much. Like, you know, was playing with the same core group of people for many many years that's awesome that is amazing yeah and it's actually pretty cool because now i'm moving back to philly next week and gonna be reuniting with a lot of the same people that's awesome reunited and it feels so good Mm -hmm. i love it man that's fantastic so so do you think you guys are gonna get uh get into shenanigans with the dice again i think Ah, oh, damn it. No, we lost him. It wasn't me this time. So <laughs> I, I don't know why Anchor doesn't want us to work. <laughs> doesn't want this to work. It's okay. This will be a hilarious episode for everyone else watching. They're, just, they're, gonna, they're gonna be able to feel the pain along with us. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't think this is gonna be a viable method in the future. But uh, yeah, this this is a little rough. We'll have but, to figure uh, something else out, but we'll give him a second here to get back on, and then um, and we'll kind of go from there. But I'm really excited that we were able to get our first guest onto the show, and uh, I really did want to steer the the conversation in this direction, kind of intentionally, only because I know that this is something that we've all bonded over, and frankly i know that this is what a lot of our listeners are are hoping for is more conversations about dungeons and dragons maybe specifically or just you know tabletop gaming in general or um so i wanted to kind of steer things in that direction a little bit i felt like we'd all be a little more comfortable talking in that realm especially since we spend so goddamn much time i i've legitimately according to roll 20 played hey there we are Sorry, did I get disconnect or you did? Yeah, 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 yeah. it happened. Okay, what was I talking about? Just um, that everybody was getting back together. I asked you if you guys were going to get back to uh, to playing again, and you said that you're pretty sure that you are. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know that. Like, I know they do. Uh, you know, like a regular board game night, which can sometimes be a, you know a bit easier to to get everybody on board for that. You know, if people get yeah. certain weeks. You know, you still get the nice quality hangout session with fun board games well and they they typically have a better kind of time frame yeah whereas you you can also you can also play board games without the exact same group of people from week to week more consistently right 
Very so what true. always bugs me about board games is like <laughs> I've been like I always seem to play board games with like everybody but one person who's never played it before, and so I have to explain <laughs> rules every single time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's this uh, yeah you get great you get pretty good at describing the rules of certain board games. Yeah, yeah, you definitely get like your efficiency down and know what parts to focus on and what to leave out. Uh, yeah, I've been playing this fun DC deck building game for a couple of years. I've played that with you. That is a blast. Yeah, yeah, we played that together. I love that game. I still play it like all the time. Well, not all the time. when I can. It's always like my go-to game. It's easy to pick up. Like. People even who've never played a deck building game, they they get catch on pretty quick, and so it's good for good for some fun. Nice. Uh, I'm I'm a big board game fan. Um, some of the some of the groups that I end up playing board games with a lot of times, they uh, they tend to play more like party games, mm-hmm. uh, which I love. I love playing fun party games, but I am I'm very much I like good crunchy board games that have like lots of numbers and strategy to mess with. Like I like that sort of thing. Me too. So, so yeah, like I, I like to have some chances to play really intense strategy. Yeah. I like to put a little, and I don't get that as much. You know, more strategy. Um, Yeah. Or even some randomness, some wackiness, but like still having a lot of structure to it. Yeah, so I'm the exact opposite. I know in my particular play circle, there were a lot of folks who were digging Ticket to Ride, and that was the game that everybody wanted to play. And I sat down and I I played a couple of times, but it didn't take very long for me to completely lose all interest and taste in the game because there was absolutely no chaos element. I have come to learn some. Not really. I have come to learn about me that I thrive on chaos. In especially yeah. like specifically in the gaming world, uh, probably more in my life than what I should allow to happen as a father of four, but we're not going to get into that at the moment. Um, it, it's also because you have like we've talked before about the fact that like luck is not like a force or an entity that actively engages itself upon the world, and you make me question that, Jeremy. <laughs> you make me question. <laughs> um, we were we were joking at one point our play group about how like. Uh, most of our players, their their good stat uh, in our current game is like a 16 or 17. <laughs> and then I looked at Jeremy's character sheet the one day because I'm GMing that game, and I realized that his lowest, his lowest stat is, I believe, a 16. Yeah, for that and, character, yeah. Yeah, and it's huh. just the... You, you have to understand, Jeremy, that you're not normal. No, I get like, that. I, I understand. And, I just also and, and revel it, in it. Yeah, it's it, it is insane, and I know not to question it. Like you've I, seen I, it, you've witnessed I, it. I've seen it way too often, and I know you better than the no, think you would cheat to get those numbers because then it's it's not it's not the same. It's not the same. It would be it would feel so disingenuous and so it's just not, gross. Go yeah. gambling sometimes, Jeremy. Yeah, I I mean it's a little scary to be honest. Um, and, and I don't know if it's just because yeah, I, I don't even want to try to apply rhyme or reason to it, but I will, <laughs> I will tell you that it's happened so frequently that the, my profile picture on roll 20 is a particular instance of when I was rolling stats and I came up with four sixes uh, mm-hmm. on the dice. Yeah. So I just snapped a quick picture of it 
and uh, my grimy desk is in the background and it's a terrible picture, but I just couldn't help myself. And I shared it in the group as we were rolling up our characters and they all cursed me out and it was a good time. But um, I enjoy those elements of randomosity and chaos so much that I actually, without realizing it, I invented, oh, there goes Colby. I invented a, uh, have you ever played Magic the Gathering? So I had gotten into it a couple of years ago and we all sat down and, and the one day I I had started describing this alternate play style that I that I thought that I had just invented. And I'm like, guys, wouldn't it be really fun? Hey, welcome back. So I said to everybody, wouldn't it be a lot of fun if there was a deck that you could choose the top card off of? And every time that you drew that card, a new set of uh, circumstances would come up in the game that would alter the way the game was being played, and then I kind of laid some of them out. And it may have even been Colby who looked at me and said, it "Dude, that that already exists. It's called Plane Chase." And I was like, "Why have you never shown this to me before? We need to play this immediately." So I I invented something that already existed, <laughs> and now we lost Jake. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Well, for those of you who are listening, so I, I inadvertently invented something that already existed and, uh, and then ha- subsequently had one of the most epic Magic the Gathering games that I'd ever played in my entire life, uh, which was a commander play- plane chase. Uh, norm- normal commander games can take upwards of an hour where normal Magic the Gathering games are meant to take 10 to 20 minutes, if even that long. So it was just... And, and then plane chase with... Hey, welcome back, buddy. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was a four hour. It sorry, was, four yeah. man, four man, five hour game. One yeah, it game. Was, it was pretty intense. So since um, Anchor doesn't seem to want to cooperate with us for now, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and just kind of wrap this up at this point, um, just because I've got enough splicing and editing to do, and I hardly edit to begin with. Jake. I can't even begin to express my gratitude for you taking your time out and sitting here and talking with us uh, tonight on the show, man. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I really hope that once we get our shit together a little bit more in the future, maybe we could have you on again. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks, brother. Uh, I love you, and I will. uh, We'll talk to you soon. All right.